0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance
0: for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
1: The following is a presentation of the SpeedSport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battles for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world hear the stories of nascar's biggest names and how they made it all the way
2: who was tony stewart before he was tony stewart
3: i could barely make enough money to pay attention let
1: alone to try to survive
2: from the speed sport podcast studios powered by my race pass
1: here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race pass My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight, we'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest, from 2000 to 2004, served as VP of Operations for the American Speed Association, ASA. Director of the NASCAR Nationwide Series 2004 to 2012, 2013 to 2020, Director of International Competition for NASCAR, overseeing NASCAR's interests in motorsports in Mexico, Canada, and Europe. He was recently named Director of Race Operations for the STARS National Series, leading efforts regarding competition and technical inspection. The series kicks off March 11th in Pensacola, Florida. They will be part of the All Star Week festivities at the newly renovated North Wilkesboro Speedway on May 16th. Welcome to the podcast, Joe Baller.
2: Say hi to Mike Wallace. Joe.
3: Hey, Mike. How's it going?
2: I am excited, Joe. Thanks for being on, man. We've, uh, we've had a little bit of everybody on our show, and this is exciting because we're getting from a whole different angle of motorsports. You know, we've had drivers, Jeff. We've had crew chiefs. We've had owners. Now, now we got the guy that keeps everybody in line. Yeah, <laughs> he—he's the guy. He's like the warden. He is the warden because <laughs> after a race, the last thing that you ever want to go wrong is we need to see you in the NASCAR trailer before you leave. I don't have time. You will be there. That plane will wait for you. Who
1: was it that we had on the show, that, <laughs> right,
2: Joe? Isn't that how it's who how? was it we had on the show that actually Pretty said they were laying lost?
1: down in the back seat trying to get out of the <laughs> trying to get out of the facility? I can't remember who that was.
2: I'm going to tell a story before we get going. So Joe was the uh, director of the NASCAR Affinity Series when, when I, I drove the, in the series, and we were at Montreal, and. We were racing in the rain. There was a scoring loop error or something, and they had me a lap down, which I wasn't. And I called the meeting instead. I, <laughs> I But I was fl- I was flying home with Penske Racing. So they had broke, and they were out of the race. The road race team, they're all back at the airport already. I'm getting a call going, we're ready to leave. And I says, I'm sorry. I just finished the race. You know? yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so I walked in to Joe, and I go, look, I know this story is normally the other way around. Like, you're chewing me out, but you're wrong. You're viciously wrong. I'll t- accept a call on Tuesday and tell me you fixed it. Goodbye. Did, did <laughs> and they? Calls as we found the error in the system. Oh, so, great. Yeah, appreciate it. So, Joe, <laughs> I don't know. We started with a story, but it was funny, I thought. And it was funnier when it happened, actually. Uh, not when it happened, but when it finished. After, when it was <laughs> yeah. all corrected, yeah. But, uh, Joe, what we try to do for our fans is go back and, and introduce our guests to how did you get involved in motorsports and how did you become who you are? How did you become the National Series director? And how have you become the ASA director? But I need you to go back in time. And what was your first remembrance that motorsports was attraction to you?
3: Well, well, first of all, I would say my career is strange phone calls late at night. <laughs> so it's
2: Gotcha. Yep. I made a couple of those I did that radio show. I did that
1: radio show.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not love line. It was was actually good calls. But uh, so I I I'm a kid from a gas station. So I, I grew up working on cars. My dad had a gas station. One of my brothers is a mechanic. I worked with him. That's where I made my high school money. Uh But uh, I I went to college. I was going to be an automotive teacher. Uh, Some things happened. Got hurt playing sports. Changed my educational direction and ended up with a degree in automotive management. And I thought I was on a career working on cars the rest of my life. What happened uh, after that was I got a phone call that said, hey, what do you think about teaching? And I ended up teaching engine electronics and fuel injection to adults and did that for about 10 years. While I was doing that, I got a phone call from Mac tools that said, Hey, what do you think about coming over and training the sales force? And, and so I did, I, I moved to Columbus, Ohio, and ended up training a sales force on how to sell capital equipment so, While I was there,
2: so let me interrupt you just for a second. There, as you're training those adults, how did how did Mac Tools know about you? How did they find you? Was, was it a local sales rep or a distributor or something new new of you for training those people? How's that work?
3: Yeah, so so I, I was actually pretty successful. The training center I worked out of was in Indianapolis. Uh, I had some really good people. A guy by the name of Jim Linder, who was just awesome, uh, was my initial boss. Uh, worked with a lot other contract trainers. We ended up being the top training uh, in the country for our company. So there was a lot of interaction with capital equipment salesmen. We would train uh, people that bought automotive test equipment. And so Mac Tools, when they were looking for a national sales manager, the top three people they interviewed, they asked them about a trainer. And my name came up from all three people well, there you go and so i ended up uh starting there uh training salesmen. uh a year later i was a product manager and uh you know i was in my office one day working and i got a phone call from our motorsports department that said joe we're sponsoring this company in indiana called the american speed association they're converting the fuel injection, what do you think about training the crew chiefs? And I said, yeah, I could, I could do that. And in 1999, that was Jimmy Johnson's last year with ASA. And I went over and, and spent the year training crew chiefs on engine electronics and fuel injection at every race. Worked with uh, the instructors from GM and, and those type of things and then in 2000 i got a phone call from asa saying hey our technical director uh, doesn't seem to be working what do you think about coming over and being the technical director and you know so, 4 so, years later i'm I, I, i'm the vp of operations so yeah.
2: when you when they asked you to come be that technical director was that just a a part-time job or were they, did you did they want you to quit mac tools and over there full-time How's that work when you're uh you get that type of offer yeah
3: i i actually left mac tools uh moved back to indiana uh it was it uh was a full-time position because we not only uh ran asa but they owned a company that uh sold the engines to the teams the fuel injected engines to the teams and i managed that engine company so i kept track of all the inventory and the rebuilds and every, every lap that was turned on the track competitively, you know, I, I knew by engine number how many miles were on each engine. And uh, so there's a lot of other stuff to do besides just being the technical director.
2: Oh, wow. I, I never knew anything like that. Do you know anything like, like that, Jeff? I know very little. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well,
1: and I was well. told there would be no math. I bet Joe's good in math.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I live in Excel. Uh, <coughs> and what's that mean? I don't know what live in Excel Computers. means. Oh, computer. Oh, yeah. He's um, so yeah, I, I, I can't get a job like that requires us to use a computer because I don't know how to use one. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get a job. <Yeah>. So oh, real nice. So, so Joe, talk about that engine company. Was that something uh, that's, this is new to me. I never heard about that. Is that something that was run under the ASA banner? Was it some engine company or was it something through GM? Cause it was well, back then well, it was a spec engine, right? Or crate engine. Is that what, wasn't that what it was?
3: Yeah. Well, so, so the, so Rex Robbins was a, an innovator. He, he had a lot of great ideas and, uh, Working with Herb Fischl and GM Engineering, uh, we took an LS engine, they built 300 of them on the GM assembly line, updated some of the hardware in it when they, when they, the engine went down the assembly line. The engine then went to Lingenfelter's to be upfitted with uh, higher flow injectors and uh, put the accessory drives on the front of the engine and then uh, Lingenfelter inventoried them for us. and the teams would call, we had a company called Laser Technologies. and we sold the engines to the teams. Oh wow. We sold them the, We sold them their computers. and then uh, there was a company out of Michigan that sold them the wiring harnesses.
1: So when you raced, when, when you're an ASA race team, you're required to buy that motor from you
2: guys.
3: Yes, yeah. So, you know, a lot they, of, a lot t- of series they taught NASCAR
2: allowed. what they know today. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we were we were the first late model stock uh series to go fuel injected. And we did that in two thousand.
2: So so is fuel injection, because this falls right into some good conversation about current day cup cars and things of that nature, is fuel injection easy to work on, or is it complex? Because I know nothing about fuel injection. I can't... I, I know you got to have a laptop to, to program them or something, but are they hard... Is like a carburetor easier, or is fuel injection easier? They don't have a carburetor. Well,
3: right. well,
2: no. I know, but it, I'm asking like an Xfinity... Why are you playing hardball with me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, asking,
3: I'm,
1: try, I'm trying to learn, yeah, man.
2: So, so an Xfinity series car, right? NASCAR Xfinity series car has got a carburetor on it. Right. The cup series cars have got fuel injection and the trucks have got fuel injection, right, Joe? And that, that, yes. Yeah. So I guess the scenario is which one's easier to operate work on. I when I, I know nothing about fuel well, injection, so.
3: Well, if, if you've been trained in fuel injection, it's not that hard. Um, there's, there's some different components that are co- operated by the computer. Some of the components tell the computer what's going on, the other components, the computer tells them what to do. So it's based upon airflow, temperature, RPM, on how much fuel, and it's more precise than a carburetor.
2: See, I told you, Jeff, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're both sitting here with a
1: stupid look on our face, like, we, we have no idea. <laughs> no. We, we do have an idea, yeah. because
2: that's why we have Joe telling us that's that he, right. he's a smart guy. Well, he's, he's
1: the expert. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, as you, yeah. Uh, you helped him switch over, GM made this motor deal that you all kept track of. So... After you become were just the technical director, then your position in ASA was what?
3: It, it kind of evolved from being just the technical director to actually running the operations. Uh, ASA uh, had some really good sponsors with uh, both General Motors, uh, the Vortech brand within GM with their engines, uh, BF Goodrich for the tires. Uh, so we had a f- we we actually ran two tractor trailers. A motor home, a toter home, and three crew cab duallys pulling trailers to every race. So we had a pretty big crew. Yeah,
2: Jeff, and if you don't know, and this is for all our fans listening, the ASA series, which was the stood for American Speed Association, right. was the premier short track series in the country. Well,
1: I, mean, here's here's a stupid question, but that's what you know. So that's what I'm here for. Did did ASA
2: go away? for a while are they back
3: yes did it? it did yes
2: well let well, Je- J- joe explain wow. it and then i'm going to come back and tell you how big asa was well, there you go i know know. I, mean, yeah, I mean i know that's where rusty wallace came from and it's mark martin yeah so uh joe yeah name those names because it, it, like you said rusty wallace mark martin alan quickie that's right you know and the, the, mark yeah. matkinson I mean, of it was kind of a midwest Russia. thing was yeah. it not yeah it, kyle it, bush Oh, wow. Jimmy Johnson ran the Johnson, You know, it was the, uh, it was just, there was a, you ever hear the story about, oh, you need a proving ground or like a a college NFL player plays in, uh, NFL player plays in college. Right, That's kind of the path. Well, racing today doesn't really have the direct path. Like, if you go run here, you can go cup racing? No. But back in the day, and what we're going to talk about in a little bit with Joe's deal, the ASA deal, it was the path. It was like you go win there, baby. You're you might be ASA, there. and
1: if you win there,
2: you go go to NASCAR, yeah. right? Isn't that a good way to describe it, Joe, or not?
3: Yes, it was. Yeah, it was okay. a really really good proving grounds, not only for uh, drivers but also for a lot of crew chiefs.
2: Yes, yes, there was a the, very knowledgeable. It was creative. Uh, so, in the final minute of this segment, at where did the ASA series go? you know, we, we all knew it and then it, it kind of, well, there was, there was,
3: there was a couple of elements. First of all, the television world changed where TNN was a partner with ASA. They were sold. Um, and it, it, it changed our broadcast, which, which affected a lot of revenue. Uh, the second thing that happened is, you know, Rex Robbins was getting older, uh, he was looking to, you know, do, you know, basically sell the company. There was a different owner, uh, and at the same time, the sponsorship from the major sponsors kind of uh, tapered off. And, and so there was a lot of factors in the market that that affected ASA, and it uh, it shut down in uh, 2004, I believe. It's a
1: money deal.
2: All comes down to money. Money deal. Yeah. Yeah. All comes down to money. While well, we, well, we take a break, Jeff reads something here and we'll come back.
1: He's currently the director of race operations for the Stars National Series. Joe Balish on the line. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network powered by My MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the SpeedSport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're talking to Joe Balish today. And once again, here's Mike Wallace.
2: Joe, as we left our last segment, when we were talking about ASA basically going away, you know, it's all because of money. Everything revolves around money in motorsports, but the end result, television coverage, things like that. So here you are as the series director. You're uh, doing way more, you know, in the technical side than that, and you, your job's getting ready to go away because the company's going away. So where do you go from there?
3: Well, actually, before uh, ASA shut down. I got a phone call late at night from Gary Nelson and uh, he called me and said, Hey, I don't know if you know who I am or not, but I'm Gary Nelson. I'm with NASCAR. Uh, We're looking for, uh, to offer you a job. And uh, NASCAR offered me a job. And in 2004, I became the technical director for all the regional tours within NASCAR. Why did that for about, well, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just getting your to say. I thought I knew everything about you in NASCAR. I didn't know you you ran that part. That was that's pretty. So was that was that the nationwide deal or was that?
3: <laughs> no,
1: planet? no. This several this, different series.
3: This was back then. It was Bush North, Winston West, uh, Modified North, Modified South, and the four uh, regional AutoZone uh, tours. The the late model tours.
2: Something I just learned. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and so I was the technical director for that, did that for about 60 days, and I was in my office, and I got a phone call, and it was Daytona, and I was asked to go to lunch, and uh, I went to lunch, and the next day, I became the Bush director.
2: Wow, that, no, nothing <laughs> like fast-tracking through things there, right? Right. Did they pay for right. lunch, too? Did you yeah. get a free lunch out of the deal? They did. <laughs> <All right>. They <laughs> did. And, and it's was.
3: It, and I remember we went to Steak and Shake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Spare no expense. Super
3: splurge. <laughs> a
1: double with like, a chili mac. I always, I always tell my wife, I am going to treat you to a royal dinner tonight. It's either Burger King or Dairy Queen, your choice. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> royal dinner, I got it. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. So did that, did, had somebody prepped you for that phone call? Or did, was that? did that call come out of the clear blue for that? to go run the series. I,
3: I wasn't prepped for the phone call, but my interview process had a lot of people in it. Uh, you know, Gary Nelson was the one that called me, but I actually ended up interviewing with uh, Jim Hunter and Mike Helton and, and George Pine at the time. So there was a lot of people in the interview process. Uh, so they may have had a plan that I didn't know about.
2: So, Joe, for the average race fan and for a driver and a guy's hosting a podcast, what what is an interview for a position like that from NASCAR? What's it entail? Well, I mean, is it something that's done really quick, takes a long time? They got a lot of questions or they're just checking your personality out? How, how, how does that work?
3: It was about a half a day with about six different people. Hmm. And... Uh, you know, we talked with Gary Nelson on the phone for two weeks prior to the the actual uh, interview process. And then I, I flew to Charlotte and went to the R&D Center and uh, really just sat down with a, a bunch of people over the afternoon. And by the time I walked out of the door, I had an offer letter.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. So multitude of conversation, offer letter. So now you got the yeah. position they, they've hired you to to run the series and uh, yes what what is your first step at that point how do you how do you step into that position
3: um it, it was interesting I mean uh, a lot of time spent with Gary Nelson who had been the cup director uh, time then you know kind of immediately starting to work with John Darby who was who was, the, was the cup director at the time. Gary was at the R&D Center. Uh, the first couple of races, I had multiple people going with me to help me with the process and, you know, the whole learning curve and speeding that up. Uh, and, it, you know, you, you get to the racetrack, and, you know, it's everything from setting up the garage and where the tires are located and the scales and where to park the haulers to making balls and strikes calls on the, the rules.
2: So if, if I can back up just for a second, and this is for all the fans that are out there listening, because we've mentioned his name four or five times now. Jeff, you remember when we interviewed Felix Sabatis mm-hmm. and he kept talking about his crew chief and he said Gary Nelson, he was one of the best cheaters and all that. You know, right. Well, this is the Gary <laughs> N- same Gary Nelson we're talking about now. Gary went from the race world right. to go to work for NASCAR. There used to be a phrase around the garage area, and Joe, you tell me if it's right or wrong. Or, <laughs> either, you know, they said NASCAR had an opinion that if you wanted to get the rules corrected, you just hire the best cheater in the garage area. <laughs> so that's what they did. <laughs> it, 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 Joe, is that kind of a good general consensus to start with or not?
3: Well, there uh, there t- have been a couple hires that have kind of fit that mold. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> So I just wanted to bring everybody up to speed of who Gary Nelson was. It is the same Gary Nelson that was a crew chief, and then he... So your your crew's working on
1: your car. You're in the garage area, and there's Gary Nelson. And he's snooping around seeing what you're doing. Does it make you nervous? I, <laughs> I was just a driver, man. <laughs> I was just a driver.
2: <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, So I, I didn't mean to back the conversation up, but I, I feel people... I've heard it from insight from uh, our people that listen to our show. Well, who is this person? And uh, so that's who Gary Nelson is, everybody. So yeah, he's yeah. He, He's now the extremely
3: knowledgeable.
2: Yeah. So and he's the director at, at your time, he's the director of the, the cup center. series R&D center, okay?
3: All right, I'm sorry. I've the R&D center. I've interrupted well here. The... <laughs> yeah, John Darby was the cup director.
2: Okay. And uh so you're new to your position. You got a few people going to the racetrack with you. Just lead, lead us through the first few months of your job there.
3: It was a blur. I mean, there was a lot going on. Uh, the first race I went to was uh, New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where you, you prepare for it. And, you know, everything goes pretty smooth, you know. There's a lot of people there to help answer questions if something comes up. But the big step is when you go up into the tower for the start of the race. And with the way that uh, the races are called, there's a, there's a race director and a series director and you work as a partnership up in the tower. And I was uh, lucky enough to work with some pretty good people as, as race directors and it helped my learning curve a, a whole bunch and, uh, I think we put on a a heck of a good race.
2: So as the series director standing up there in the control tower and you have a race director that's kind of running the program, what is your position throughout the race or is it just, that's it. What is your position during the race?
3: Yeah, it, it works kind of in partnership with the, the race director, you know, we're, we're both watching the racetrack. We talked to, to different people on the radio where the race director, uh, you know, when he's making his calls, he's talking to the flagman and the pace car driver, and uh, you know, a broadcast. So all the teams could hear because the teams have to listen, uh, you know, the, the series directors kind of on a backup channel where we're talking, you know, to some of the same people, but on a different frequency where the, where the world can't hear you. Gotcha. You know, so for example, if if Mike Wallace was doing something crazy on the racetrack, <laughs> as a series director, I could call the the pit road supervisor to climb up on the, the pit box with your crew chief and have a little conversation to settle you down.
1: Like He's, what in the
2: hell is he doing? He singled me out just then, <laughs> Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think that's that's well, uh, when you hear him say, "NASCAR just come by the pit box." What you were doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, is that um, is that a an active job as a series director working with the race director, or is it is it does it get hectic up in that control tower, or does it just stay pretty calm, pretty organized? And for,
3: for the most part, it's really calm because it's it's. Cur- you know, there's so many people doing different functions, right? You've got a, you've got a safety director, you've got a, the race director, you've got the series director. Um, so there's, there's different people doing different things and and it, it's calm. You know, if, if there's a melee, you know, you may, uh, you know, raise your voice a little bit just so you could be heard like, Hey, look at this over here. You need to, you know, we, we got to wreck and turn four. Let's, you know, go to work, kind of thing. But uh, uh, it's not, it's not really chaotic or hectic. It's more, you know, this uh, orchestra that's all kind of working together to to play the same tune.
2: I got you. So one th- one question I've always had from other people. I th- I hope I know the answer, but I don't. So if you go to – and, Jeff, you do these football shows all the time. So when you go to a football game, like we go to the Panthers game, uh-huh. <clears throat> at the stadium, there are actually TV timeouts, right? Right. The game kind of stops, and you're looking around, and I, can't fi- I couldn't figure out what was going on. Is there anything in the motorsports world, Joe, that resembles that? Do, do, is the race running in any any way and controlled by the tower to fit television?
3: When, when I was there, no, but we did have a, a, a liaison between television and the the race control. So if there was a caution, they'd want to know how long is it going to be so they could schedule their commercials and, you know, do we need more time because there's more cleanup? So there's a lot of conversation between the tower and television. Um
2: but there, there, there was never a pause, or is there a pause in the action on the racetrack, or an extra caution, or two laps because they're running a the commercial? Or not? Yeah, I don't think so.
1: Wouldn't that be funny, though? A TV timeout. <laughs> well, I
2: mean, I'm going to tell you what, Jeff. Until I went to a live football game, I didn't know they paused it at the stadium. Yeah. You know, why is it but there's paused? there's a natural there's break there's more... in the action. Yeah.
1: Here's the deal. Yeah. So there, there's a format. And television stations, radio stations too. They know when they're gonna. They do the pregame. Then the the, the actual event starts. They know when they're gonna take their timeouts. Okay, caution. You, they're gonna be cautions, right? Caution number one: We're gonna cram these commercials in in that time slot. You know, because you're not missing yeah. any action. So yeah, they. You just go with the flow. It's not As, necessarily a TV timeout. You can't do that in racing. Well, I As think the sport
3: could. evolved. As the sport evolved though and, and going to segment racing, there are more pre scheduled things because you know when the segment's gonna start. Right. Right, you know when the segment ends and you know you know there's gonna be so many laps under caution for that that segment break.
1: Right. Plus, plus they do the side by side split screen thing now too. So yes. you know, you're not necessarily missing any action where they continue showing the race. Okay, so that wasn't line.
2: really a silly question I asked, but it's no, kind of, not at all. Man. Okay, I just wanted. To,
3: no, no, no.
2: It's, you i not know, looking at the, the face Jeff no, just made at me, like you dumb. Yeah,
3: yeah. there's yeah. no no guy that runs out on the track with an orange glove to hold up that <laughs> we're in a TV timeout.
2: <laughs> well, you know, we talk about things, and we just come off. I've been reading a lot this week, and I know it's a totally different format and different type of racing. But you know, the world famous Chili Bowl that everybody's familiar with, midget racing, happens in January. There's been a lot of mm-hmm. discontent race fans this week talking about how it got prolonged at the start of the race for the pageantry of it. This, that, the the A feature didn't start till one in the morning. Ugh. And it's like, you know, get rid of all the TV junk. Let's just run it like we run the prelims, you know. So uh it was just a conversation. Oh, yeah.
3: A lot of a lot of that though was the track prep because when you're racing on dirt, you've got a lot more things to do than when you're on pavement, especially getting the moisture right in the racetrack and working it and packing it. Uh, and, and that takes time, which, which casual fans aren't used to. I mean, if you're a hardcore dirt racer, you know about all that stuff, but it, it, it does cause some people to say, Hey, I'm up way too late.
2: Well, that makes sense. Justin Marks owner our track house racing put out a, a tweet this week the next big innovation that happens in racing needs to be speeding up track prep by 75% and i didn't really know what it, i i think i knew what he was talking about but i didn't but it's dirt racing getting that prep time don't don't sit around takes so long to get uh, done but at you know an asphalt track you don't need You know no, you don't need that at all there's no prep time right right okay, okay. track is the track yeah. well guess what
1: it's I time for I break. a break
2: it's another break <laughs> <laughs> T- take it, Joe.
1: This is going very well. We're talking to Joe Ballish. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're talking to the current director of race operations for the Stars National Series, Joe Ballish, on the line. And here's a follow up for you, Joe, talking about TV timeouts and whatnot in the last segment. So, as a race fan, you're sitting there watching the race, and 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 fans all agree that all oh, this this is this race is a stinker. We need a caution, right? There's six cars on the lead lap. You know, we've all seen that scenario. The fans always accuse NASCAR of creating a caution. Oop! Debris, Jacques, There's, Jacques debris. <laughs> <laughs> There's de- Jimmy Spencer threw a wrench out of his window again. Yeah. Now, you know, does NASCAR do they ever create cautions just because the race needs one? You know what I mean?
3: There, there were times where I wish I could have created a caution, but, but what you do is, uh, you know, look harder and look harder and look harder to see if there's anything out there. Yeah. And a lot of times there's just nothing there and you're just stuck with a race that isn't as compelling as other races.
2: So that, that means that they try not to, but. When you seen that quarter lane in turn two at Daytona from the grandstands, oh, that's in the racing groove. We got to yeah. throw caution. Yeah.
3: There was there was something there that was shiny. I don't know what it is,
2: but it we need to check it for safety. It was a gold tooth. So as you progress along your career in NASCAR, Joe, as the series NASCAR Xfinity Series director. Uh, Nationwide director. What what titles did you work under as far as title sponsors? Did you go back to the Bush series or not?
3: I started with the Bush series. My first champion was Martin Truex Jr.'s first Bush championship. Okay. And so I kind of bookend my career in that aspect with two Truex championships ending with two Stenhouse championships.
2: Oh, wow. Okay.
3: So that's, that's kind of my range from the end of the Bush era, the 25th anniversary and the end of the Bush era, to all the years of Nationwide. And then when it, when it kind of switched to Xfinity, that's when I started working in the uh, international space.
2: Okay. I want to go to the international place, but one final question for you on that part of it. And I don't know if you, Jeff, if you still do this, a lot of people refer to what is now the Xfinity Series as the Bush Series. Right. And still all these years later. Joe, did you hear a lot of that during that, uh, the Nationwide moving into the Xfinity? Everybody's still saying, hey, we're racing the Bush Series or the Bush?
3: Oh, absolutely. When we switched to Nationwide, we had a jar. So if you said Bush, you had to put money in the jar and it went to charity. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. We also went on a a scavenger hunt where we had to go through all the haulers and all our equipment to peel off all the bush stickers. Hmm. Right? And and you know it's it took almost a year to find all the bush stickers. I mean, because we were Bush was there for over 25 years.
2: Yeah, it was it was a famous brand. And you know, I grew growing up in St. Louis, Missouri, home of Anheuser Busch right. Bush, it's just like
1: And it's, as far, you know, as a race fan, you get used to calling it the Bush series. Same thing with Winston Cup. Yeah. Right? And it's a cup series. Right. Same thing with short Motor Speedway when they sold the uh, title sponsorship to Lowe's.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. right?
1: That? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Lowe's Motor Speedway. Gotcha.
3: Yeah, one of the one of the tough things is like when when it was Nextel or when it was uh, Sprint. Everybody wanted to call it Cup, right? We were lucky during the Bush times. So everybody wanted to call it Bush. So that sponsor really got a lot of name recognition. Right. But, you know, still today, if, if we talk about somebody that ran the truck series, we don't not necessarily say the sponsor's name. Uh, and it was really hard. We really had to work hard to make sure we did say that it was – you know, the Camping World Series or the Craftsman Series or whatever that was to to tie that into the series, because that's what the sponsor's paying for.
2: Sure, sure. It's kind of unique. You brought a truck series that uh, did you know, they Jeff, that they changed it back to the Craftsman Truck Series this year? I did not. Craftsman is now back so, as the series. <coughs> so pilot. it was
1: Craftsman, went to Camping World, right? Yeah. And now it's back to Craftsman. It is
2: the Craftsman Truck yes. Series. Yeah, I think How we even that? had a year there, didn't we? Gander Mountain Series or Gander Outdoor yeah, Series was, or something. Yep, yep. So, all right, Joe. So we've uh, you worked your way through the what? What do what does the average race fan and what does NASCAR? I know each series has its titles. You know the Bush Series, the Xfinity Series, and you got the Cup Series, and the Cup's the biggest, and those series. You know, in baseball, they call it Major League Ball or Triple-A right. Ball. You
1: as a fan, you can't keep up with it. So we used to just say, you going on the Saturday race? Oh, is that what, okay. what I'm That
2: was my <laughs> yeah. question right there. Yeah. Okay, so it's yeah. a Saturday or Sunday race. Right. All right. So as you yeah, well, worked your way out of the Saturday racing <laughs> and into international racing, take us on that adventure. That that had to be different?
3: That had to be the best job in motorsports. Really? Oh, wow. I I can tell you that um, I was hesitant at first, you know, with the the travel and things like that. But going into the different, you didn't have garages, you had paddocks. So in international, you have a paddock. Um, How well received NASCAR was in the paddocks and how the teams wanted to be involved with NASCAR. They loved that they were racing in the NASCAR division. And some of the nicest people in the world uh, are there because they just want to be part of NASCAR.
2: Well, and what was the, what does NASCAR consider their international racing? Where, where all, right? Where all does NASCAR race at? And where where do
3: they
1: want
2: to? Where do they want to grow
3: Currently, they're uh, in Canada, which is the oldest relationship, uh, Mexico, and in Europe. And then uh, here recently, after I've left the company, they completed their, their work with uh, some people down in Brazil. And then the, the, to answer the question, where does NASCAR want to race? I would say NASCAR would like to race everywhere. Uh, but it's just, uh, you just can't say, hey, I want to go race here. It takes a lot of hard work in the background to be able to build the relationships and, and partner with the right people. And I think they've got a great staff currently today that's, that's working on that. And, uh, you know, they're trying to expand NASCAR's international footprint.
2: So as you, you started the international footprint or working in an international footprint, which I'll call Canada, Mexico and Europe. What challenges did you have as being an American based in the U S and, and then going to these different countries and, uh, putting on races? Well,
3: well, you know, first, first of all, you've got to understand how they've adjusted the rules to fit their circumstance. So there's slight differences in the rules package, Wow. Um, you know, my role is more of a racing consultant to the to the actual operations within each one of these countries and just offering suggestions on, on how we can do things better or differently or whatever it may happen to be. Uh, great partners in each one of the companies that are very receptive to have those conversations. Uh, and then very passionate race fans. I mean, it's it's weird. I was I was going over a crossover bridge in Mexico and a race fan stopped me and handed me his little kid because he wanted to have a picture taken with me because I was the NASCAR guy.
2: <laughs> You're the NASCAR guy. Wow, that's so yeah. so well, uh, you know. Here, take my firstborn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the <just> second born. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so when you travel to those countries were you already versed in the the language or did you have an interpreter with you or did you have to even worry about that did you just care let's say you go to Mexico did you just go to Mexico just as a you know the Bush series director I, and start I had ta-
3: a security company that I worked with in Mexico. Okay. that, uh, that helped me with, with my logistics, not so much getting there, but once I was on the grounds, I had somebody with me that, you know, picked me up at the airport, went to the track with me, took me to the hotel and then, you know, back to the track and then back to the airport. Uh, so it, it was the same company for the whole time. They actually started when, uh, Back in the days when we took the Bush series down to Mexico, they worked with NASCAR. So it's a, a long-term relationship. Uh, I still text with him every once in a while just to say hello. He's a big NFL football fan. Oh, wow. And uh, I'll still text, and uh, he'll, he'll text me, you know, Merry Christmas and things like that. Uh, but he not only did NASCAR, but he did uh, movie stars or presidents of companies or things like that. They're a big... Agency and we use them, and that made it very easy to move about throughout all of Mexico. Gotcha.
2: Okay. Did, did do you use that type of source in Europe, or when you went over there, or is it I a little easier to use? Just be what I call normal. It over was there? a little
3: it a little easier in in Europe. I didn't I didn't need that type of uh, uh, company to consult with while I was was moving about. Uh, but, it, you know, it's planes, trains, and automobiles. I mean, you'll fly, you'll take trains, you'll get rent-a-cars, and, you know, sometimes you're driving in, in the wrong side of the street in England, or, uh, you know, other times you're on the Autobahn, or the other time your GPS was like 20 minutes late on it, oh, we should have turned left, kind of thing.
1: Gotcha. Well, you Let's know- talk about cuisine. <clears throat> Who had the best food? Was it Mexico or Europe?
3: Well, you know, I'm I'm a petite six-two, three hundred pounds, right? Yeah, so,
1: husky, uh, petite. <laughs> I, I,
3: I I found it easy to find really good food all over the world. Now, I've I've eaten some pretty interesting things. Like, I, I like cricket tacos. So I learned how to eat cricket tacos in Mexico.
1: All right. Hold on a second. Um, Are you telling me that they put crickets in the taco?
3: Yes. It's not, it's not meat. It's crickets. And it's actually pretty good.
2: Like like crickets that are on the ground?
3: Yeah. Are they crunchy?
2: Are they, are they crunchy like fried or something?
3: They're, they're a little bit crunchy, but they're cooked and there's some spices and some other things with it and put a few toppings on it and maybe some, uh, Valentina hot sauce, yeah, with we'll Texas really Pete good stuff.
2: Probably be good on a saltine uh, cracker. Don't, don't, please, don't <laughs> tell me it tastes like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> wow, it doesn't. But, but that's uh, interesting. That was yeah. a good question, man. I, I never even thought about that. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't expecting one, one, the answer. <laughs> <Rick and> tacos.
3: <laughs> one of the best meals I ever had traveling was I was in uh, Italy. And Alex Caffey is a, a team owner in the Euro Series. And he's an ex Formula One driver. And he has a friend that was a chef. And he's like, Joe, you got to have dinner with us tonight. Stay at the track. You know, we're eating here. Come have dinner with us. This was a five course meal in the garage area. And it was wonderful. Uh, you know, pumpkin tortellinis and just all sorts of stuff. So,
2: so it would good. rank just a little bit above the cricket tacos or kind of parallel in zone rights?
3: I think it was above the, the cricket tacos, but it was, uh, you know. It, those are street tacos. In the U.S., we'd leave the track and go to Waffle House, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in in Europe, you, you stay in the paddock and the, the – the teams are there, you know, three, four hours after practice is done because they cater to all their people.
2: Really? So, you know, they've
3: got all these little hospitality set up.
2: Do you like that? You know, you know what the U.S. NASCAR runs like. Everybody's rushed out of the garage area at 5 o'clock, get out, you know, lay your tools down. And did you like that European deal where you hung out?
3: Oh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's way more, uh, you know it was like asa back in the earlier days mm-hmm. where everybody's hanging out and helping each other and uh you know it's not the huge business that you know it was in in our garage uh in the US but it's you know there's it's just a different atmosphere
2: could the us garage adapt to that that program would it would it fit over here because i mean sounds like you like it probably the people that worked on the teams enjoyed it and a the sponsors that got taken care of would would is that something that could be under Americans consideration? Americans are too busy. You is know that what I mean? it is? We got too much yeah, stuff. we got just, too much stuff going. Yeah. On. yeah. Oh
3: wow. Yeah, all the all the hospitality in the U.S. kind of takes place up in the suites or in the in the corporate tents and things like that. I mean, with the European racing, it's more more like a drag racing pit where you park your hauler, you put your awning out,
2: oh, okay. the back
3: half of the awning is where you're working on the race car and under the front half of the awning, you have a little hospitality.
1: Got it. Now I do. All All right. over, come on by uh, the, the coach. We'll, we'll have some tortellinis. Toss back a couple of Peronis.
3: and then we'll go south and we'll have
1: cricket tacos and a corona come on and there's a bojangles on the way yeah hey let's take a break right here we're talking to the director of race operations for the stars national series currently he's joe ballas you're listening to fast car to nascar with mike wallace on the speed sport podcast network powered by my race pass and nascar digital media Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car and NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Final segment with Joe Ballish, and once again, here's Mike.
2: Well, Joe, I've I've been intrigued by especially the cuisine. And Jeff, great question, man. That was like that's <laughs> what I'm here for. I, I'm just not going to. I'm not doing the taco. Caller commentator, yeah. cricket tacos, cricket tacos. <laughs> uh, so, Joe, you have a you've progressed yourself through the whole NASCAR series, and you've worked your way to a really cool position now coming up to where what I think was the greatest racing series ever, the ASA series, is tied in with your other organization, the Stars Series. So bring us front and center. Tell us where you're at now, what's going on this year, and all the excitement that's back around short track asphalt racing.
3: Well, I I tell you, this last year has been just – drinking out of a fire hose, putting a lot of things together. Uh, My boss, Bob Sargent, with Track Enterprises, made some pretty big investments with uh, acquisitions with uh, the ARCA Midwest Tour, the CRA Series, and then partnered with the Southern Super Series. So we've, we've got all this late model, super late model racing, and people kept asking, what about putting ASA back together? How... How can we do that? And, you know, the conversation started progressing into putting a lot of numbers on paper. And, you know, the next thing we know, we're looking at a 10-race schedule for the ASA Stars National Series.
2: Man, that's just it's, it's, it's kind of a, like a mind block there for a minute. That, that's all coming back together. So t- tell us in today's world what your position is in all this new – Ray, it's not new racing it's just revitalizing it it was all there but like you guys have pulled it all back together or at least put a direction to it so what what are you doing now what what's your job starting right now or i know you've been working for a year at it but what's from here all through 2023 bring
3: well for me it's it's everything that takes place operationally with uh you know, working on building rule books with a really cool team of people in all three of these divisions. Uh, working with race directors on procedures and, you know, the operations and garage layouts and leases with racetracks or sanction agreements or whatever that may happen to be. You know, I'm, I'm kind of on that side of the business. I, I jokingly told my, my boss one day we were in a meeting. I said, you have to understand, you run a business with a P and l well, I'm the L operations <laughs> is the one that spends money, you know, business development is the, the one that brings the money in. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's travel, it's logistics, it's working with schedules, it's working with promoters, uh, a, a lot of conversations with the teams on rules. Uh, you know, we're trying to work hard to unify the super late model rules and there's a lot of work going on with that. Uh, you know, right now I'm working on designing uniform shirts.
2: Okay. So you're
3: the, you're I mean, the so jack of all little, trades. A bit of everything. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So that unification of rules, that's really important to me, just knowing <laughs> something about, you know, the whole race world. Do you think you're going to be, are the rules across the country and asphalt race going to get very close here in the next year or two?
3: Well, I would say with the things that we touch with our four divisions, it'll probably take at least another year to, to get everything to line up because of just the different variations with engine packages in one region of the country versus a, a different region of the country. Uh, and you don't want to eliminate you know, items on the car that people have a big investment in. So we're just trying to figure – you know all those things out as we go
2: forward. How did the 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 logo, not the logo, but the wording ASA, how did that come back? Where was that at? Has that series somebody's owned it? It's been mothballed, or it just yeah quit? And...
3: Yeah, it was it was kind of mothballed, and and really it was uh, some uh, work with my boss and and Ron Drager from Arca. You know, two of the series that we purchased um, were under the ARCA sanction. And as part of the conversations that, you know, were in the, you know, coming up about, hey, kid, what about bringing ASA back? There was an opportunity to work with Ron Drager to help bring the ASA brand back.
2: Okay. So Ron Drager was the, was or is the president of ARCA, right, as we knew it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, is there put together for this year? And I know all this has happened recently. Is there anything happening on the television front for these series, or streaming services, or anything, or is that still being negotiated and hopefully worked out?
3: Um, I'm not at liberty to to tell you what the actual detail is, but we're very close on being able to make some announcements uh, coming up. Well, that's and great we're, because we're you know, actually working on that. Yes.
2: Television, Jeff, is important to racing, don't you think? I really do, Mike. <clears throat> yeah, I'm he, a big TV fan. He, he's, he's over here. He's, he <laughs> <laughs> every
1: time I try to be funny about something,
2: <laughs> Jeff puts a serious look that he's the laughing. I, the thing I like about TV is they have pictures and sound. Yeah. Well, what know? I mean by all that is that <laughs> it just seems like from a driver. Now I'm going to be very narrow focused here. You know, a driver like you could hear his name forever. But if you don't see him, you don't know what the heck he even looks like. And it seems like, and sponsors, you know. People tell me all the time that I don't look like I sound.
1: Yeah, no. Which is kind of stupid.
2: I mean, yeah, you sound way better looking than what you are. (laughs) Thank you. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, that was just to get me
1: back for all the smart-assery I was coming up with earlier. No, right? it's all good. Hey, I... hey, here's a question for you, Joe. Talk about the level of competition in the Stars National Series. So, if I'm going to race number one, or say I'm going to the race May 16th at the North Wilkesboro Speedway, what is the level of competition in the series that I'm going to see? And are there any? What are some of the? Who are some of the drivers uh, that are featured in the series?
3: Well, I I think what you're going to see is the best of the best of late model racing running in the Stars National Tour. Uh, We've been very fortunate within our our three divisions of super late models to have a lot of, you know, big-name drivers, you know, from, uh, you know, Ty Majeski to Bubba Pollard to uh, Steven to we, know, had, we, we had Bubba I mean, Pollard just, on who, our show.
1: We did. We did, yeah. Bubba's been on the show.
3: He's funny. Yeah. He's a good guy. He really is. Uh, but I, I think you'll see kind of the best of the best, and I think you will also see, depending, uh, you know, based upon what night the race is on, whether we have uh, potential some NASCAR stars to be able to come down and race their super late models with us. So, you know, based Absolutely. on the track and based on the date, uh you know, it could be quite a mix of drivers.
1: And how exciting is it to be back at a place like North Wilkesboro? You know what I'm saying? You keep up with that project, Mike. Are they going to be – is it going to be,
2: I mean, done, finished, presentable, okay? Joe probably knows more than I do. I watch some Facebook postings. Of course, Dale Jr. is everybody's conduit here in the area. He's he's Mr. North Wilkesboro, so he keeps everybody Twitter-wise up. But I've heard there is a rumor – that there is a really, really well-known NASCAR driver that's going to be running or possibly going to run that that race that Joe's involved in. Are his initials Mike Wallace? That would be the full description (laughs) right there, baby. (laughs) We've got a car sitting at the shop, and I I told Matt, I've left it in my son's hands, I says, we're going to North Wilkesboro to race that car, whether you're driving it (laughs) or I'm driving it. (laughs) So you decide which one you want. <laughs> and if you're not driving it, I am, and you're working on it. <laughs> no, so, so to echo what you just said, though, or to bring up, North Wilkesboro is, you know, of course, there's a lot of hype right now. The hype's going to die down, you know, in a couple years. It's not going to be, oh, absolutely. oh, it's with North Wilkesboro. What they did, I think it's so cool. They just took an ancient old racetrack that everybody thought was dead to the water.
1: Well, it was. A local, mean, yeah. a local
2: group of people got pr- behind it. Dale Jr. got behind it, and we're going to throw, a, like, 75% of the effort on him. Then the state of North Carolina got behind well, it. Well, and Marcus Smith. And, and with you that, know, that. SMI, who owns it. A lot of and money. And they threw a lot of money through government grants. Not grants. What was that? The Affordable Care Act or something that the yeah. the federal government supplied. And so that's given them the, the base to rebuild that racetrack. and. It's making all the old, original, not old, just, what do they call that? The guy that's just, he's a race car, NASCAR racer, the, uh, nostalgia type nostalgia person. Nostalgia. Heritage. I, I want to go to North Wilkesboro. Oh, it's going to be an amazing week, well, I think. Well, let
3: me, let me throw this in here. If you look at the 10-race schedule of the ASA Stars National Tour, I think only North Wilkesboro – has not been a traditional date or a date on the a- old ASA calendar.
2: Oh, really? You yes. talk about old ASA deals, Joe, and this has nothing to do with you, but it has a lot to do with ASA. Jeff, you know, we've had Mark Martin on our show, and Mark was uh, the guest speaker up at Berlin Raceway this past week, and they've got a picture of him being introduced or shaking hands with the great Bob Seneker and you know both of those names are is that in connecticut uh, no it's in michigan berlin michigan Michigan. but it's just it just knowing joe was going to be on the show i'm seeing this and it's like boy this is all tying together unbelievable those were two of the biggest names in asa racing in in the the era but um, yeah so tell us in uh, the final four minutes we got of our show or five or six whatever what, what what do we all have to look forward to this year? And um what are you looking forward to in, in your position and this whole new I'll call it a new entity, even though it's these all have been around, you're just kind of refocusing them all.
3: Yeah, so what what we've done is we've taken three races from each one of our divisions and made them a national tour race, with the all American four hundred being our tenth race of the year and the, the, the championship. Uh, I think we've put pulled together, you know, some of the coolest tracks in the, in the country to, to race on. What are those tracks, in Joe? Place. Do you
2: have that schedule up in front of you? Or Joe just handed me the schedule. Uh, <laughs> uh, look at this. <laughs> Five Flag Speedway. Pensacola. Pensacola, a few Florida. up in uh, Wisconsin. Madison International. Madison, Wisconsin. Northern yep. Wilkesboro. The Hickory. famed Hickory Motor Speedway. Yep. Nashville, S- Slinger, which is Slinger, Wisconsin; Anderson, Anderson, yep. Indiana; Wisconsin International, Cacano, Wisconsin; Toledo, uh, Winchester Speedway, Winchester, Indiana; finishing it up at the famed Nashville Fairgrounds in Nashville, Tennessee. Wow, that's, that's pretty a, cool, right? That's a good schedule, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and not looking at yeah, those yeah. dates, Joe. Or the the is there any back to back weeks there, or is there a space between everything?
3: Uh, the closest is probably going to be between the Slinger Nationals and then the uh, Redbud 400 at and Anderson. You know, those are those are a couple days apart. And then uh, Hickory and North Wilkesboro are pretty close together.
2: So th- this would almost be a fun touring series for a fan, right? Absolutely. Get in oh, the motor well, home and, yeah, and go, you know, uh, we're going to go do something different this year. We're going to follow the ASA. You know, Star I know a guy series. that's got a motor coach, yeah. by the way. I'd, <laughs> I'd, we're all gonna have to go somewhere sometime we it's road trip, trip. yep uh, well someplace warm how about that well by the time most of that stuff runs it's gonna be warm everywhere we can go, we get start in pensacola that's the day after my birthday i like it Yep. well there you go all right <laughs> well joe balish what a uh, and I know these are still early stages, so there's some things that you're probably working on but can't disclose. Is there a title series? Is there somebody sponsoring the SA series, or is it just the stars series at the moment?
3: Well, I'd I'd have to uh, refer back to uh, my comment about I'm the L, and and the business development guys are the P. Okay, they're the ones that are working really hard on on putting the sponsorship stuff together and uh, i i know they're in a lot of conversations but we're just not at a point where we can talk about them yet
2: okay well i think i can speak for all the race fans around the country i thank you so much for your time today and to inform us and us. i'm excited about the uh, 2023 you know short track world right absolutely now. you know we we got to give love on both sides of the fence we've all the the three series they combined into the ASA National Tour Series. So, uh, how many races do does your organization in the asphalt world between the series run in in a season? Other, we know the ten that are going to be the Star Series, but how many total will you take care well, of? Well, on the
3: on all the pavement stuff, when you when you get into the the pros, and uh, the street stocks and the sportsmen you know, we're probably 65 races right there. Not counting anything that the track enterprises part of our business is involved with promoting Arca races and truck race and, and things like that.
2: Well, it sounds like he's got a full USAC plate. Races. Jeff, what do you think? That's a busy day. Yeah. yeah. That'll keep you busy. Well, Joe Ballish, thank you for your time today. Thanks. Uh, thank you to track services. Please pass on. We wish them nothing but the best and, uh, You've just basically are going to have the whole world listening to you. Right. There you go and Good
1: luck down here in Pensacola, Florida. Kick it off every season, March 11th. You know and, what I mean?
3: Well, <laughs> well, well, thank you. And hey, K, we're, uh, we're, we're racing this weekend. I mean, we're oh, heading you? to speed it at, at, uh, you know, Cordell, Cordell, Georgia. I was it's actually Cordille. 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 Yeah. Cordille.
1: Yeah. Sound of peanut country.
3: Yeah. yeah. That's this, that's this weekend. That's our, our first kickoff race with, uh, the ASA Southern Super Series and ASA uh, CRA re- event. That's so, awesome.
2: if you're anywhere close to Cordell, Georgia, a- if and if you're, you're not even close, get there because it's going to be a be a big event this weekend. Just cruise down I-75 south from. I, I from went Atlanta. there about five years ago. Matt raced down yeah, there, there. So, uh, all right, Joe, thank you for uh,
1: being our guest today. We enjoyed. It. Have a great year. Here he All goes. Right, Thank you. Joe Ballas, you've been thank listening you, to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network powered
3: by My Race Pass and NASCAR digital media. We'll see you next week.